This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via other participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply, see mcdonalds.com. Well, welcome everybody to Forever Bristol City podcast, the post Plymouth Argyle review episode, and we're in joyous mood. It finished Ashton Gate on a not so windy in the end Tuesday evening. City four, Plymouth one. I'm delighted to be joined by three of my regulars. That's Ian, Mark, and Neil. Neil sat with me. For those of you that are viewing it uh, on uh, YouTube or uh, live on Twitter. But as I normally do, I'll come to each of you in turn, a brief 30 seconds on the game, what your thoughts were coming away from Ashton Gay. You first, Mark. Uh, a fantastically entertaining Southwest Derby, where City's fast start was matched by clinical finishing. They were all over Plymouth like a rash and thoroughly deserved a 4-1 win with outstanding performances from Zach Viner, uh, Matty James, and the whole team worked is a is a, a unit to get City's biggest home win since Hull City in May 2022. Still things, still little things to be done. A little bit, a little bit sloppy in transition, but lots to look forward to for the rest of the season when we get players back. Excellent, excellent. Um, you next, Ian. Sorry, you your quick resume on the game. Just go through the positives, Dave. Three points, four goals, scored in the first half for the first time this season, and we got three of them. Best home performance of the season, although that is quite a low bar, but it certainly was far and away. Inexplicable selection from Schumacher. I don't know what he was trying to do or prove. Uh, good first half, created chances. We crossed better. We had less possession again, which is always a good thing. Uh, Argyle only had two shots on target, albeit I thought they looked pretty good coming forward, especially when they got the they had their uh, best players on. Home record improves. We're up to fifth. We've got a plus three goal difference, and we might even have Vyman back Saturday. Excellent, Neil. Your uh, your thoughts? Well, I'm not going to go through what uh, I agree 100 obviously with what Mark and Ina said, but it had a League One feel to it yesterday. The game, I thought, I thought Schumacher. You can't make seven changes in the championship. The championship is a relentless league. He, he swapped. He took out Barley Mumba. He took out Whitaker. He took out Hardy. Mm. He took out Finazaz. He took out key, key players in there. And then he tried to justify it with the four I bought in. Oh, they were Very great. Regular. They, they, they comments, were yeah. regulars from us last season. Stephen, that was regulars in League One. Championship is a whole other ball game. And uh, I think he completely missed... Yeah, mis- misguided last night in ch- in changing seven. I don't think you can go into a championship game and change seven players around. First half, they were so disjointed. You could tell that they weren't actually around it. Bringing Dan Scar in. Dan Scar's a League One defender, isn't it? And next to him is the gas head from last year, Mr Gibson. Yeah, so, know, they so good. he was trying to justify Schumacher. I think the telling comment for me was that he said, they wanted it more, meaning us, Bristol City. How I'd love to hear that, because how many times over years have we said the opposition have wanted it more? This is what City are about now, is that intensity and commitment. And as I said on a Twitter post last night, or ex-post, as we should call it now, bring on Leicester. But let's get back to the uh, the, the, the the teams or our team. Um, Mark, 
temptation to change, but he didn't. Many people would have thought Taylor Gardner Hickman might have come back in for uh, George Tanner, but he's stuck with the uh, starting eleven. No surprises there for you, no. Yeah, not really. I mean, I suppose at the back of our minds, will Rob Dickey come in for uh, Naismith, push Naismith up into midfield, but then he'd have to take one of Williams, James or Knight out. But he obviously trusts uh, Naismith back there and his performance has proved why he's playing his, you know, his, uh, his left centre back. You know he's he's very he's reliable. He, he can time in time his his uh, his tackles, and he's got a, a fantastic range of passing, and he can step out of defence. In in uh, they can split the centre backs with him and, and Zach Viner. So yeah, no no surprises. It all comes down to <laughs> will City score from their chances. That was the difference. Yeah, um, Ian, the uh, the front three after the West Brom game or towards the end of the West Brom game, they looked a little bit leggy. The substitutions weren't done until I think it was a 70 odd minute on Saturday against West Brom. Um, he stuck with that front three though. Were you happy with that team selection? I think we've got to because what is behind them isn't as good. I mean, you saw what he thought about, I mean, he was trying to close the game out. Well, I thought we managed the game well in the second half. He was trying to close the game out. And you can tell that when he brought on Roberts as opposed to Bermetti to replace Sam Bell. And if I saw Roberts start in that position, particularly away from home, it wouldn't surprise me because Mimetti seems to have fallen right down the pecking order. So, um, no, no, no surprises. I'm glad he made the substitutions when he did, particularly with the Leicester game coming up on Saturday, which would be nice if he attends. And originally were saying that with this back operation he's going to have, uh, before I forget to say it, good luck to him with that because back operations are awful things. Um, and that though he'd ever done is a last resort. So, um, yeah, no, no surprises. No. He likes that midfield. And um, why wouldn't you? And if you just said to me before the two games, look, you know, you don't need to play them, but we'll just give you four points. How do you feel about that? I'd have bitten your arm off. I think so, we said that. We, we, and we expected yeah. it to be, it would have been nice to beat West Brom, but if you're looking at the four points in the two home games, which we wanted, yeah, we, you'd have expected it to be one plus three, certainly not three plus one. Okay. Well, last, um, no, last night, Dave, last night we scored three goals in the first half. And yeah, that's so what, that was the difference. That's what, that's, we scored in the first half against West Brom. If we'd have scored a goal or two in the first half, we'd have won that game, even though they outplayed us in the second. Yeah, no, we did enough in, in that particular one. Um, Neil, if you look at the lineup, Tanner, you know, he's in there on merit. It would have been easy for Nigel to bring Taylor Gardner Hickman in. We'll talk about his substitute performance in a minute, but, uh, you know, no, no complaints about that lineup uh, that uh, started again. I think what uh, what Pearson he puts trust in his players, doesn't he? Mm. He empowers his players, and I think uh, ultimately we didn't concede against West Brom. No. So I think you know he's he's almost saying to Tanner, right? Okay, we didn't concede. Back four, easy to make changes, but you know I believe in you, I trust in you, and I think the thing with Tanner, when you watch him, when the substitutions are going to happen, he, he's always he's looking nervously <laughs> over at the bench the whole time. He's he's thinking he's going to get pulled every time, yeah. every time. Yeah. So and sometimes there's a nervousness to his play a little bit. So I think he's just trying to give him the confidence to say, "I believe in you. I trust in you." I think that, so. that you're right there with confidence because you look at a player like Knight. Yeah, he's got that look of determination. He's not lacking in confidence. Whereas I've not met Tanner in person, but you just look at facially at him he looks a nice guy but you know as you say yeah i noticed him look across the bench i also happened, i but... also think um one of the things i was going to say uh, last night is i think perhaps having naismith back there who's a ball player makes them better players you know he's he is his, his vision his yeah. passing his calmness under pressure i mean one-on-one -on -one, uh, you know, it pace if he gets exposed, we know that he's in trouble. But it's yeah. it's becoming quite a tight unit. I think the only one that you could pair him possibly is Tanner, but both Pring and Tanner are a little bit susceptible to pace that we you know we might we might may touch on. Um, maybe not looking forward to less brilliant, okay. brilliant defense defensively, but good, good in, 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 in attacking positions. But as a unit, that's what you want, isn't it? You like if you can play the same four players, but you can trust you can trust them. That's what Pearson wants, and that's because they're they're shutting out of the opposition. 
No, you're right. Okay, so uh, Ian, there were 3,000 who made their shortest journey of the season up to Ashton Gate, and they were chanting with less than two minutes on the clock. Bristol is a, I repeat the word, something whole. I want to go before they completed the sentence. We were one nil up inside three minutes. How did you see that goal? Was it a well-worked routine or we were just so much more on it than they were? Talk us through the goal as you saw it. Well, it was a routine. Whether it was well-worked or not, I don't know because I don't know what Williams was meant to do with the ball. Was he meant to put it into the near post for Sam Bell to try and get something or somebody get something on it or did he completely miss it? So, um, but it was a, a set-piece move. I, I mean, I think if you'd have played up front against Plymouth last night, Dave, you might have got a goal, which brings me nicely on to Naki Wells, because at the, at the moment, he, he couldn't hit a cow's backside with a banjo, Naki, and, and he's just nah. getting more and more pressure. And when he got booked last night for kicking the ball away like a Muppet, I thought, hello, he's going to yeah. be, as soon as we score again, get him off, because otherwise you're going to get a second yellow and he'll miss a game. But anyway, that's yeah. by the by. Yeah. I don't know whether it's going to be given to Sam because he got the deflection. It definitely hit the defender before on the goal line before it went over the line, but it was on target. So, yeah, uh, yeah well, call it what you like. We were a goal up at, at home and playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the goal several times. and I sort of lost the ball, but that's probably more about my eyesight. And I've seen it from the... Uh, from the different angles. I mean, great to get a goal that early, Neil. You know, just it's what we just. I mean, the first half we played better in the first half against West Brom and got no reward. But here we were against inferior opposition. It doesn't come much better than that. The goal inside three minutes. Well, I think what was impressive last night was there have been times in the past at home and and away for that matter where we've scored early goals. We we start fifteen the first fifteen minutes of the game. We often start with intensity. We often start with pace and the full press on and we get a goal. And then in the past, we've got a goal and then we sat back and allowed the other teams to get back into it. And then it's 1-1 at half time, or we get into the second half, they re reset at half time, they come on. We didn't. That didn't happen last night. We'd scored the goal off two minutes and the intensity only increased, I would say, yeah. rather than decrease. And then, and then it was two and then... Yeah, as we'll come to. Well, let's come, come on to you, Mark, for the second goal. Uh, I mean, you know, we were we were rampant, as one of you had said earlier. You know, they looked like a side that had made seven changes. Never mind the fact that they brought four of those were so-called regulars coming back in. But a Sykes shot, and uh, Matty James, bit of an unsung hero for us, but nice for him to get a goal, wasn't it? But how did you see that goal? Um, Tanner, Tanner actually released uh, released Knight on the right hand side. A brilliant, a brilliant ball. Just slide pass uh, on the six yard on the six yard line. He plays that he plays the ball back, and the keeper pushes it out. And they're number nineteen, right? Ball watching. He, he was just miles away, and James came in probably about two yards behind, like he was finishing the four hundred meter relay, and just pushed it into the roof of the net. But I mean, they they were they were rattled, and we by that time we pinned them back in in their own half. But they were just slow to every single ball, Plymouth. Yeah. You know, well, we, Neil, we were. We, we, they did look a bit lean. They did. They were. They well, were all over. They were all over the place. I mean, that that first goal typified it. Awful defending, but the second one, great pass by Tanner to release Knight. Knight plays it back. The keeper comes out, just pushes it out, uh, and James runs on and pushes the ball uh, with his instep up into the roof of the net. Yeah, but uh, but I think he, he would have. I think Schumacher would have hooked that number nineteen because he should have got. He should have got to the rebound, but he was yeah. he was miles away. Yeah. Uh, Ian, Matty James, you know, he's Mr. Dependable for Pearson, isn't it? He comes up with the old goal now and again. He's certainly not prolific from uh, midfield. But interesting, he lasted the full 90 minutes, you know, and it was, uh, say, you know, he, he is the talisman sort of player for us, isn't he? And for Nigel Pearson, having played for him at Leicester. Well, Matty James, I, I made the point in the last pod we did, Dave, that... <clears throat> Matty James is like Cole's goose. You notice him more when he's not playing than when he is. Um, and the amount of times he, he tidies things up, takes balls off the back four, um, clears up a load of rubbish uh, in midfield on occasions. He doesn't waste the ball very much. And it was interesting, last, that last night was the first time he scored a goal uh, before 
uh, actually after the 90th minute. So that was the only time he scored a goal uh, that's preceded the 90th minute of the game. So well done to him. I thought, I, you know, people saying, well, put it into the net. There were three defenders on the line. He could have tried to drive it in it, one of them, but nice finish into the roof of the net. So, but yeah, James is uh, the key player. He's the, he's the pivot, either as a single pivot or a double pivot in that mill, mid, midfield. And the fact that Joe Williams is playing Touchwood, his best football um, yeah. for us, and he's uninjured, um, is, is a real bonus. So, uh, yeah, that's well. <clears throat> that's why I think Pearson will continue with those two in night in midfield, and there's no real reason to change it. I don't no, think we've got no. anything better to come in, frankly. No, absolutely right, um, Neil. But you know, two 0 up looked a mess, really. Their own fans were saying you're an embarrassment after it was two 0 Bell had a shot save. Sykes headed over. Campering was on the far post and ballooned the ball over when the ball reached him from that corner. But we were being a bit sloppy at times, yeah, and maybe a bit too overconfident. And Plymouth put themselves back in it with uh, their goal. How did you see their goal? Do you agree that we were, you know, we could have been even further ahead, but there was some loose passes going around. We were over-egging it at the back just a tiny bit. That, that bell chance for 3 nils. that mm. thankfully didn't come back to haunt us, but he really should have buried that. He cut back inside. He could have just opened up his body. He's got a thing about hitting a near post. Mm. He did it a couple of times in a thing. He tried to bring it inside and hit. Whereas there's more space at, at the far post rather than a near post, but he tries to cut it back a little bit with it. That should have been 3 0. And that was what, within 15, yeah. 15 minutes, it would have been 3 0. Like um, when we played West Bournemouth 3 0 last right. Yeah. After 16 all those years ago. Yeah. Um, now, there is a sloppiness, but then I think once you're playing at intensity and once you go at it, you've, you've got to be on it. And that's quite tiring. Mm. And, I, and I think you're in that comfort zone. You've got two nil up. It's easy to, to sort of sit back and then stroll it around. Just all, take a breather after all, that start. Yeah, and all we need to do is start. And there was a few, there started to be a few misplaced passes. That goal right in front of me on in the dolman, their goal. Their goal. Sykes didn't track his man back. And then there was a double overload against Tanner and and Tanner's you know half tackled didn't and then stuck his foot out kind of kicked it but didn't really kick it with any oh just get rid of it mm. that's Tanner unfortunately unfortunately well, you, it, you that's, know that's yeah there, there, there's still that element to his game about you know and I'm not picking on him when no, I no. say that but I think there's still an element of rabbit caught in the headlights a little bit with him sometimes you know he just oh get rid get rid get rid yeah. and frenetic type thing there's not too much composure about tanner so he kicks it into the middle and to be fair fantastic finish by randall yeah from outside the box kept it low it fantastic was strike. yeah straight as a dive mark that was their first shot of course mark did you think we were becoming you know i would say the goal was inevitable but neil's just said about tanner not not clearing you, know, you can't blame Max for the goal. A BBC report said it was a poor clearance by Max in the first. No, instance. that that was the that one was later missed. on. That, that was, was the one they one missed. They Sorry, missed, yeah, yeah, my mistake. Yeah, yeah, we've we made City buck their ideas up a bit after they've maybe taken their foot off the gas. Mark, do you agree with that? Yeah, we lost the ball in transition, and uh, as Neil said, I mean it was Callum Wright, the other right on the left hand side, who burst forward, and. Tanner just hooked the ball straight across the box and it was a beautiful finish. Low, hard, got his knee right over the ball, drilled the ball in, uh, beat beat uh, beat O'Leary with, with the pace, with the pace, the ball, and it would have come through players as well. So it was even a half chance. And that's what you do at this level, you know, if you, 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 you know, half chances, half chances are, con are conceded. And then that carried on. There was, there was some, you know, there was some, uh, some loose passing. Uh, I think Viner gave the ball away so, and, and Viner and Naismith have to do recovery tackles. Yeah. O'Leary's pass, uh, short pass, uh, was was run was run back and O'Leary came out and narrowed the angle well and and uh, and the combination of that and Viner who looked like he he might have injured himself overextending his knee yeah. meant the player 
pass the ball, you know, hit the ball wide. But yeah, City were sloppy in transition where they could have just calmed the game down a little bit and been a little bit less yeah. frenetic. Um, but um, I mean, what was just apparent about Plymouth was they were just so naive. They kept wanting to go forward, yeah. but they their their shape pushing on the, the full-backs, left the centre-backs exposed and huge amount of space, um, you know, for our third goal, which we can segue well, on we to come, now. We come on to that. We come on to that. No, Ian, let's, let's look at that uh, third goal. Um, it was set up by uh, Knight, but I can't remember the last time I've seen one of our players over so much open ground to run into, yeah? <clears throat> no, it, it was a, a excellent pass. It was an excellent finish. But like you say, an awful lot of room... The only way he was going to um, make a mistake, Knight, was to overhit the ball. And he didn't. He played it into the path of Sykes. So Sykes didn't really have to break his run much. But he had so much time in no covering defender getting back. That I, I, I often look at things like that think, hang on, has this bloke got too much time here? Is he going to overthink it and put it over the bar? And we've seen plenty of that over the years, but great finish. He hit it. It was a little bit like the way he hit it across goal. And unlike... Yeah, as Neil was saying a moment ago, Sambel trying to go near post, but it had an element. I mean, his goal at Swansea was more skillful, but it was a little bit like that the way he dragged it across goal and knocked it in the far side. And you know, he's, well, he, he's, he waited. He waited for the goalkeeper to commit himself, and as soon yeah. as the goalkeeper committed himself down, then he put the ball the other side of him. And, and at that point, unless you get an arm up or or you lift your leg and you get lucky. You're not going to save it. And the key thing is to get it on target because I think if he'd have got it on target and the keeper had got a touch, it might have gone across the goal and Naki might have had a tap in. But um, it, it didn't. And it was a really good finish. He's in form. He's first choice in that position by a mile. So um, carry on, McDuff. Yeah. And and and, and it's interesting that, um, as I say, night, right? There's a lot of talk on. I think the forum's been down for the last 12 hours. It wasn't working late last night nor this morning. Yeah. But people yeah. are already making this comparison, Neil, between, and I'll ask each of you this question, between night and Scott. Now, it would have been fantastic if we'd have had both, right? But, you know, are they, you know, people are saying night is a bargain at 2 million. And, you know, is he. He's not the same sort of player as Scott, is he? Because he busies himself around, doesn't he? Yes. But what what did you think of his performance last night? Because he was chasing and harrying all the time in a way that Andy Vyman does. And as somebody said, I think, on Twitter this morning, imagine if we've got two players playing in that advanced role, putting them under pressure all the time. But what did you yeah, think of that? You know who reminds me of that? Gary Shelton. Good old Gazza. Yeah. Back in the day. Just that busy player in the middle of the park. The amount of times that where a Plymouth player would be dawdling on the ball and Knight would just go up and nick it off. Yeah. And then he'd appear here. He'd appear there, appear on the edge of their box, appear there. There's a busyness around him and he's always sort of on the move with it. I'd love to see his sort of stats. Obviously, he's he's had a, four games in 10 days or yeah. something like that. So they've obviously been withdrawing him on the hour yeah. to, to, to look after him and look after his minutes. They probably looked at the stats and gone, once he gets to 10k or something like that, get him off or whatever. Yeah. Look, manages loads and and such like. But he's a different player to Scott. Yeah, he's a, he's a very different player to Scott. Scott would, from a standing spot, just have that acceleration, wouldn't he? And the assist, the assister that we always spoke about with Scott, yeah. with with Knight, what was really impressive about that third goal for me is he got hold of the ball. He's there, and there was a there was a pass down the middle, Sanaki. And he paused because he just didn't rush it. And then he waited for Sykes to come up on the right. And then, as Ian quite rightly said, play, played the passing beautifully in for Sykes. But it was that pause and that composure in the midfield, not to force a, you know, a pass straight through, not to take the first option, probably not even take the second option on the, on the left with Bell. He took the third option with Sykes. But they allowed him far too much space. I mean, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was. Well, that, space it, I mean, it, that was a very. It was, it was the high. Goal, it was the high line. And, I mean, it's just goal. so naive. Yeah. Uh, just Kamikaze play. They push right up to the halfway line, and Knight comes back, 
and then plays the ball around the corner. And of course, Sykes is in his own half when he oh, starts. So I can't run. remember the last and time. And he's galloping in, 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 in into space. space. The difference yeah. between Knight and Scott. Scott mm. had a better all-round game. But I think we would like to have seen Scott in more advanced positions last season than, than we did. I think that's that's the the thing we you know that we we didn't get to see. We didn't get to see him in the head of the ball, getting get on the end of the things. I think can only think I think the West Brom game in the cup mm. where he did that, where he where he, uh, he ran into the area and he got he got to tap him. We just didn't see him get enough touches in the box. But he could break lines from tight positions. He could dribble past players at ease, and of course he won a lot of free kicks because of his ability to shield to shield the ball Knight is a great player with space he's got vision and it's timing I think you know the way he times his runs I think we'll see we'll see him get lots of chances and hopefully you know five to ten goals I think why shouldn't he be aiming for that because uh, you know he's got the ability to get on a lot get on a, a lot uh, on the end of a lots of crosses uh, and, yeah. and and break and break lines, but he's not the player that Scott is. He hasn't got the ability, but he's got a lot more determination. And that's and what I'm saying. It's I'd sort say. of. I mean, Ian was shaking his head a minute ago and agreeing with Neil. Uh, mm. In effect, disagreeing with me that they're not the same player, and we can only ponder what it would have been like having both. But Ian, you know, your thoughts on uh, Knight? I mean, is he our next? You know, nest egg building player i saw he was man of the match for ireland against netherlands last week and non-bristol city fans were saying what's this player why isn't he in a top six premier league side yeah but your thoughts on I, I think i think i think people saying that are morons to be perfectly honest uh why isn't he in the top six prep you were telling me he's in the same Bruno, he's as good as Bruno Fernandes, Kevin De Bruyne. All right. Gundogan. No, but this wasn't a Bristol City I mean, City anyone, anyone saying that can get in the... Hang on, Dave. Hang on. Anyone saying that can get right in the bin. All right? Because yeah. he's not. Let's just not start doing backflips because we've got a bloke. We bought a bloke for two million. I like him as a player. Um, I tweeted out last night during the game that he needs he, what he does need to do on occasions is calm down because I, I understand this runs everywhere wouldn't get on the team coach at Swansea because he wanted to run back to the to Bristol and all this and that's all good jolly japes and good fun but he will in the course of the season for Bristol City he'll get more assists and more goals than Alex Scott now to be honest that's a pretty low bar but what Scotty had it he may not get his goal involvement. So uh, I think so far, so good. Don't overwrite the bloke. No. Um, and, and let's keep him progressing. I think there are times, I mean, he gives the ball away a bit, but if you're trying to do stuff, you will give the ball away sometimes. Yeah. On the defenders, when we were talking about mistakes, in the last couple of games, Zach Viner's made more mistakes than George Tanner, Campering, and Cal Naismith put together. But what he's got is great recovery pace. Now, you saw yeah. it last night. Uh, you saw that tackle he made on Thomas Asante on Saturday was nothing short of world-class defending. But if he hadn't got, if he hadn't tried to get round and get the ball off Asante and made a mistake on the halfway line, the chance would have never happened because we were too high up and Asante got in behind him. So, and there was no cover. And it, it was Zach's fault, but he made a brilliant recovery running tackle. The same when Ryan Hardy got in behind him. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Hardy could have scored twice in the last three minutes. He did. So he I'm, I'm got glad he went. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he went. was a header as I'm well. He but uh, let's, yeah. let's go. We we'll go on to that in a second. Ian, you say about the powers of recovery. I can remember when Keith Curl came to play for City back in the 80s. And he went on and yeah. enjoyed a career at the highest level, played for Man City when they're not the side they are now, but Keith Curl. And he wasn't a natural defender. I think he was a winger when he started at the gas. He wasn't a natural defender, but everybody used to say about Keith Curl, it was his power of recovery. Yeah. And that's what Zach has got. Let's move into oh, the second half. His... It, it was his. It was his pace, Dave. And he, had pace, Dave. He, had, he had a bit more of a line of pace about ten, him. Ten thousand pounds from Torquay, and we sort of signed another bloke called Trevor Morgan, centre yeah. forward. Now Keith had superb pace, and remember then as well that the back pass law wasn't in, so it made defending easier. 
True. Let's move on then. Neil, second half, we, we used all five subs in two batches in good time. Three on the hour, two with 20 minutes uh, to go. Um, your Boa's becoming a bit of an impact player for us, isn't he? He is. I mean, there's a rawness to him though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't quite learned yet that the he goes over physical. Gives away needless fouls yeah. when he doesn't know how to do it alongside it. There's just this little bit. Got booking last night as well, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. There's, well, he, that could have yeah. gone when he came off of the air a little bit there. And we could probably talk about the ref in due course. Yeah. But the um, but I think with him, there's just sometimes that, that balance a little bit. Like there was a thing at the weekend with Peters. When Peters is wrestling with him, so your bird picks him up, yeah. throws him to the Similar ground. happened not long after he came on last night as yeah, well. Yeah, there's it? just an element of I need to impose myself on the game. I need to uh, bring my physicality. We talk about pace, but he hasn't quite learned how to generate that space yeah. within it. Watching him last night, I'm like, God, there's a unit, but there's a 17 year old unit. Yeah, I don't quite see his link up play and stuff like that. We're, we're kind no, of using on. him as like a wrecking yeah. ball a little bit there. You know, he's this bundle of energy where he's just going to sprint. Well, he's a nice, I mean, sprint it's been players that we've sprint. seen for other teams in years gone by. Do you remember Luar Luar? Yeah, two yeah. Luar Luar brothers. They've got that explosive pace and. You know, it's the end product. That's the thing. I and think you bring him on with tired defenders who are just like, oh, and let's oh, see what he does. It's going to be really annoying. Yeah, and which is what really I think. The, the, I think with 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 Yaboa, I mean, he was a pest. He was blocking passes. Uh, you know, he was he was he was getting back in defence. Uh, he was trying to he was trying to make tackles. You know, he worked extremely hard. I think the problem was we just didn't really have control of the ball, and even even uh, Harry Cornick hardly got any touches. You know, playing centrally, and I'd love to have seen Yaboa with some space in front of him, like Mark Sykes, attack the defender. But he just we didn't he, he didn't get the ball. What he was doing was chasing down defenders, and that yeah. that was it's much of our our problem really because Williams and uh, and James couldn't exert any control on midfield. That that was the problem, you know. And we're not, and it it'll be the same problem against Leicester because they'll have a lot more pace and they'll well, be a lot more intense. We'll talk about the Leicester better, game in a minute. better yeah. than uh, than Plymouth were, but yeah, he didn't really get the chance to show to show his to show his skill. Uh, that yeah, he Mark, sticking, sticking with you, they call, I'll call the goal the icing on the cake because at 4-1 with 10 minutes to go, you know, no side is going to lose that. You know, 3-1 with 10 minutes to go, you know, you always don't want to concede. But the fourth the fourth goal, classy, wasn't it? Take us through it as you saw it. Yeah, I mean, Cal Naismith just strode forward, faked uh, that he was about to shoot. And then just played a lovely blind left-footed pass in in into the uh, the channel, and there's Cornick, controls the ball, left foot sweeps it past the keeper to to his to his right, and his job done. Great finish by Cornick, and that reminded me a little bit uh, of the Benningham pass to uh, to Harry Kane. Or obviously he didn't turn, he didn't have his back to goal. But it was just a penetrating pass, and Cornick finished it be beautifully, and that was job done. Because even at three-one, Plymouth kept coming forward. There was an intensity to their play. Uh, Whitaker had looked a lot better than uh, than Wright had on the right-hand side, and he'd really he'd sold. Uh, he ripped uh, Pring a, a one a couple of times just by using his body strength. And they'd had chances, so really that put the game to bed com completely. A great well, way to finish the night. Yeah. How did you see the goal here? I mean, Naismith was very advanced putting that ball forward. Was that because we'd altered the formation a little bit at the back? Yeah, playing with more of a three, or was well, it I just think, that he took the opportunity and burst through? Because well, it was a very advanced position. This is, for him. this is another reason why some people say Cal Naismith would be better off in midfield because he could do that more often. And he's created several chances from close range this season, not long sweeping diagonal passes we come to expect. Um, but the distribution, um, I was disappointed with some of Zach's distribution last night. His diagonal distribution is very good. His straight line distribution is occasionally poor. So I'd be, um, there's an argument to move, to move uh, Cal forward, but 
the question then begs, well, okay, then who are you going to leave out? And at the moment, you wouldn't, anybody that was left out of that side, this a midfield player, out of the three we got, would fill our done by. So um, I think if it isn't broke, don't fix it. We've, we've, uh, we've let in one goal the last two games against good attacking opposition. You know, the West Brom and if you look at the players West Brom brought off the bench, and in fairness, the players Plymouth, they brought their best three strikers off the bench last yeah. night. Um, the, the, Plymouth, I, I, I watched Plymouth last night and I thought if they played the same team they played against Preston, they'll be fine this season. But the only thing that will really get to them is injuries because they, they obviously haven't got a great deal of squad depth. Um, I, I was... Uh, yeah, and, and when you looked at the analysis of their game at Preston, they completely dominated the game. They did. And, and were unlucky not to win it, never mind lose it. So, yeah. that's, but that's championship football. That's the way yeah. it goes when you're playing against really good players. But lovely no-look pass from Naismith. He's got that in his locker. When you look at Harry Cornick who I thought was effective when he came on last night, yeah. as well as he could be. I was going to say, nice for him to get a goal, only his second league yeah. goal. But, but you've got him yeah. in Naki, him in Naki, who you'd look at and you look at their numbers. And to be honest, they're dreadful. I mean, they neither of them, uh, you, you, you're not confident that either of them are going to score no. uh, in a game, which when you think that's your, more or less your two number nines, um, well, the good thing is, is we got Tommy Conway to come back. and then, But then you look at a player like Hardy, who did come on for them, who looked a bit of a unit. He's sort of got that physique, a bit like Yates as well, who was at Blackpool, but is maybe... No, he's, been, he's, he's better than Yates. He's ex-Glasgow Rangers, six foot yeah. two. But he's he's got pace and he's got ability as well as... Hardy we're talking about, yeah. Obviously. Ryan Hardy, yeah. Now, I'd love to see him at Ashton Gate. I mean, I know we've got Tommy to come back and, and people are saying, or the club are saying, they're thinking he'll be back in October, um, which, let's, let's face it, what are we, 10 days well, off it'll be October? After the next, it'll be after the next international break, I would think, Ian. Hopefully, Dave, yeah. And, and hopefully we'll have, Aim, we'll have Eamon back and Rob possibly going to be a bit longer, but they, they say he looks like a colossus with all this gym work he's done, which... As long as he doesn't lose any pace, that's that's not going to do. Who's that? He's got a, like a colossus. Rob, Rob, Rob Atkinson. Rob Atkinson. Okay. Yeah, they're, cool. they're he's put on about half a stone or a stone of muscle. Yeah. Because well, Benner, been... I, I was told that uh, Benarus is uh, going to be back on the grass in a couple of weeks. So that's from. Uh, that's, a that's, fanta source. that's fantastic. That's another. Mid that's another it's midfielder. Another, it's another one to. You know, uh, it's another one to uh, add to the uh, add to the list. Neil's. I, uh, uh, I'd say his, that David back on the, for the Leicester game, but uh, so I'm going to move back there. Those that are watching it live, I'm now I'll just say on. that the um, I think so the night was typified. City's determination was typified by Zach Finer's recovery when the ball was played behind him to Ryan Hardy. I mean, O'Leary came out, did very well, slowed Hardy down, he poked the ball past him, and then it was a foot race with Hardy. I thought, first of all, that it was just drifted into the goal, but no, it was a foot race between Hardy and Viner, and Viner made a great made a great save. And it was it was a lung busting challenge, as somebody oh, said. Yeah. So you four one up, and this this is the thing at the moment is that intensity that we've got. <laughs> When I when I got home last night, you know, I, I said to him, I said, you know, we got we're not we're not as good, but he's we've got an identity. We're starting to see an identity of how Pearson wants to play. I think, yeah, with the with the runners and some of the pace that we've got in there. I have to say, uh, Ian, what did you think of um, Taylor Gardner Hickman, who came on into the middle of the field? Yeah, we've seen him as a the, the obvious choice to replace. Uh, uh, Tanner, but I thought he looked. I thought he looked pretty useful. Did, would you agree with that? I, I like him as a player, Dave. But I can also see why every manager they've had, and Carlos Corbran, who knows far more about football than I ever will, and coaching, was scratching his head and saying, "Where do I play this bloke? Is he a right back? Is he a holding midfielder? Is he a ten? Is he is he a white midfielder? What is he?" I think he's a central midfielder. I think he's one of those guys that can pretty much play anywhere um, because he's six foot two. He can tackle. He's got a good shot on him that I've, I've seen on 
various video clips. Um, so he's, if you listen to West Brom fans, and I always listen to the fans more than any journalist up there because sometimes they've got an axe to grind. And yeah. the fans that watch a moment away said exactly that. Where do you play him? Really like him as a player. Uh, not very good in the air for a bloke of his size was one criticism, uh, which I think, to be honest, I think George Tanner and Cam Pring are. And we're doing this long kick out to the left wing and pushing Cam forward to flick the ball on because we got no height in the forward line. We're doing, we used to do it with Aiden Flynn, Nathan but Baker. Flynn out on the touchline, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and Nathan Baker, that's how Nathan Baker got his last concussion. Um, yeah, I, I like him as a player. I think if, if the sort of money we're talking about is, is 1.3 million in total, and there seems to be various uh, discussions around, ah, well, we've already given him 700,000 as a loan fee, and we've got to give him another 1.3, so that makes him a 2 million player. I, I, I think that's wrong. I don't know, but... Well, we don't know. Yeah, we 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 just we just. Well, we, we can when we get to talk that. to when we get to talk to Brian Tinian, perhaps we can ask him because obviously we won't be able to ask the um, CEO. Well, we come on to his departure <laughs> in a moment. Uh, Mark, what did you think of the referee last night? Um, I don't think we noticed him that much, which means that means that the game flowed. Um, he rightly booked Tanner and Wells for needlessly kicking the ball away, and we know there's zero tolerance for that. So that was just pure stupidity. And I just hope the club find those players because they're not going to learn. I mean, you know, they keep doing that. They're going to get they're going to get uh, a ban. Uh, yeah. You know that that um, dissent just completely stupid. Why why do it? Yeah. But yeah, didn't really notice a referee, which meant that the game the game flowed well. And I think you know he, peened, he, he, he it was evenly it was evenly officiated, which was a good thing. What was what quite tickled me, of course, is after our first goal, there was this break. I thought, Forgot what the hell's going on? That. Yes. Well, it was. He, it looked that. like he was testing the goal line technology because he got no, the ball. His, his equipment he, packed up. Yeah, because he, he got the ball and he was passing it over yes. backwards and forwards over the line, wasn't yeah. he? It, it all, just, uh, well, I thought know, it was going to be a disallowed goal on the basis of VAR when there's no bloody Yeah, we VAR. don't have VAR, Dave. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> That's what I mean. I know well, what you, know you mean. The ref, well, you know yeah. the referee, they, he, he wears a wristwatch. Yeah. And it tells yeah. him if the ball's crossed the line. Yeah, well, it pings, doesn't it, if up. it crosses the line. Yeah. Yeah, well, it didn't ping when the ball went in the net. So he had to stop the game, go over to the sideline. He had to have a discussion with the fourth official uh, along the lines of what the hell do I do? Um, and they repaired, I don't know whether they repaired it or whether he had the fourth official's watch or whatever, but they, they got over it in a quite a short time. I mean, I was with you, though, um, because the commentators on Robin's TV, and, and I must make this point, they've all, <laughs> they've, they've all been on the course, and I'm, I want to go on the same course, is Ali Ains and Trevor Chalice have been on the can you course? Now you're going down the line. Now can you cross it? Can you play inside? Can it? Can you get past him? Can you get every two minutes, lads? Find some different vocabulary because it gets <laughs> tedious. And uh, against West Brom, I had to switch the, the commentary off. And the other thing is they need to be careful because the pictures are in advance. Uh, sorry, the commentary is slightly in advance of the pictures. So you get, yeah, great goal, and it's in, in the net, yeah. No, <laughs> it's like it reminds me of like, like one of those Bra one of those Brazilian soap operas, and the doorbell rings and it's hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like it is. Yeah. I mean, but this can you? That's think, like sometimes yeah, when you watch the news, it's not just them the doing it. Sometimes the lips, the mouth. There's nothing worse. Than yeah, the mouth. Yeah. yeah. But but they, they, they've it's this. I've, there's pundits doing it on the BBC and. Oh, well, he's got, it's always in the past tense. Then it goes straight to the current tense, which is really good. Is well, he's got past him. Now, can he find the cross? I don't know, mate. Can he? I'm struggling. <laughs> there it is. We, talking talking about, we, it's got nothing to do with football. Talking about continuity. It has a bit, you know, with things being out of alignment. Sadly, I'm somebody who watches Coronation Street. And I watch, and I've said a couple of times, you know, yeah, they're having... Do they have a different time and light zone up there? Because they're having breakfast, the next minute they're having somebody's bloody stag party in the next in the next house up the street. Do you ever watch that, or am I just a sad bastard? No, I'm just going you, back. I'm just going back, to, just going back to Ian. 
I mean, that sort of commentary lend itself to, to snooker, wouldn't it? Now, can he, he's potted red. Now, can he pot the black? Now, can he yeah, pot really? the... He, now, there's a red on the edge of the cushion. Can he pot the red? That would lend itself better, wouldn't it? To some like snooker. But yeah, football, yeah. God. And, and for those right, well, look, I think we've done, black I think we've done the game. The I, think we've done the game. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've done the game to death. I mean, uh, Vyman, I think Nigel resisted the temptation to bring him back into the match day squad because you don't want him breaking down like he did at Hull. I'd be very, very surprised if uh, if he didn't make the match day squad um, at, at the weekend at Leicester, which we'll finish with what we think about the Leicester game. But a couple of things to talk about. Um, I mean, I think it's been addressed <coughs> by you first, Mark, on this. I, I listened to Gary Hours on Monday on uh, Radio Bristol. There's no spokesman, no official spokesman from the club. Still nothing official from the club other than the usual Pravda-style press release. Gary was very guarded. In I said he was very measured in his comments on a post on the forum, and somebody put, I thought, a better word than I'd use and said, very guarded. And then Nigel, if you heard Nigel last night, it was very diplomatic. These things happen almost describing a change of structure. But Mark, we'd had a pop at Phil for his lack of visibility. Um, he didn't turn up for the supporters club and trust meeting on Thursday. Nigel revealed in the Radio Bristol interview, in fact, last night, that he'd heard he knew Phil Alexander was going as far back as Thursday. So bearing in mind that he didn't start to break until Sunday. But uh, what, what do you think of... Phil Alexander going and how the club have managed it. And Nigel said, doesn't really make much difference to me. I'm just a football manager and this is not my department. You first, Mark. It seems on the outside like a very political thing. Um, I think there was a, obviously a clamour uh, for some communication from the club. So Alexander has very much been the full guy who's had to explain Steve Lansdowne's reasons for not pumping money in from the sale of Alex Scott. So he's very much had to, had to do that. Um, fans didn't know what Alexander did. We knew that he came from a very commercial background. But was he in, directly involved no. in the recruitment of the players? No. no. And something's obviously gone wrong. Uh, and they come to a mutual agreement, and he and he's moved and he's moved on, which be, which is why there's no there's no replacement. It's not that uh, you know they they made their mind up. Or Phil said, "Well, it's not not for me." It's, if you you know, you've got to be subjective on. about. I've got you know, I've, on the outside, I've got to be subjective because we don't know. We, we don't won't know, know. We don't we? know anything. We, we I think know. what we can say is that probably Mark Ashton was on about four hundred grand a year. He's on two hundred and fifty. And yeah. it's a cost saving if there's going to be some restructure. No, I think he would be on 250 in, you know, because he's, he's he was out to grass when he finished at Crystal Palace. He only got this job because Richard Scudamore recommended him. Yeah, and he was chief executive of the year. But, I, you know, in, in, but there's, in the so, there's obviously there seems to be a big problem because he was brought in for a reason. He had a great reputation at, at Palace, although that was, you know, that that was it, it, it uh, reached the end of its uh, at the end of its natural life. So he had brought into City to do a job, we believe. And I perhaps he, he wasn't we don't able know to what, do we that. I don't know what that job was. When well, I think there, there, was a, there, there was a there was there was. There's, there appeared to be disparity between what Nigel Pearson and Brian Tinian thought about the recruitment and what Steve Lansdowne decided to do. That was a little well, bit and more Mark, fluid. And obviously, Ian, you're shaking your head in the background there, as I can see. I just want to say with Mark, somebody said to me last night, and he said, like, nobody's in the know, but it was just one fan's theory. Yeah, it's just and all subjective. Felt, we're never going to know, are we're we? Not, we're not going to know, know, but he said, know. his theory was that, you know, maybe... We lined up a couple of players of a type that Dave Fevs thought we should be getting with Scott going one and a half to two and a half million. And, you know, that was agreed between the chief executive and Tinian and Pearson. And then Lansdowne pulled the plug a bit like in 2015 with Andre Gray and, dare I say it, Harry Maguire. Right, Ian, your say on this. You've been shaking your head frantically uh, in the background there. What did, what did, what did you think? Well, I read uh, an article in Bristol Live and it listed the things that have happened since um, Phil came through the door. What I wasn't sure about was who'd done it because it listed a number of things. 
players signing new contracts. Lots of players have signed new contracts. Rob Atkinson, Zach Viner. Um, so was he responsible for that? And as CEO, I would expect him to be responsible for costs and wages are, are one of your biggest costs at a football club, if not the biggest cost. So did he do that? Did Brian Tinian do it? We know from days gone by and currently that Steve Lansdowne sets all the budgets. Okay, so Steve Lansdowne won't say, well, you're not allowed to pay anybody more than X thousand pounds a week, but he will say the total wage bill needs to come down. And it was a figure he himself quoted, and it was somewhere between 18 and 20 million. But the size of the club with the turnover as it was, which is about 32 million. Uh, Brian Tinian said in an interview that there were two players that the club had missed out on, they couldn't get. Now, we don't know the reason for that. It could be money, it could be geography, it could be uh, the player didn't want to come. So, uh, but we got some others that were high on the list. And this is the way that Brian Tinian's explained recruitment that his, him and his team get a list of players, they go to Nigel Pearson and say, Who do you want? And uh, Nigel Pearson says, well, I'll have him and him. And if I can't have him and him, I'll have him. Well, and you him have a first him. pick, second pick and third pick. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's how I would think 90% of clubs do it. So I don't see anything wildly complex. Um, so you hear various rumours that come round and one says he wasn't prepared to move to Bristol. Um, did he? Here you are. Here's, here's one of those coaching did he spend enough time in Bristol? Did he did he did he spend enough time in the job and not perhaps working from home or, or whatever, which you could easily do with the, the job he's got? You don't have. And to interesting, you say about right? working from home, Ian, because I'd heard mm -hmm. that you didn't see him around much at the HPC, which is obviously the admin centre as well these he, days. What I found strange was he seemed uncomfortable at being questioned about anything. Now, when he was on the programme, I think it was Richard did it on Radio Bristol, and he was asking him some quite straightforward questions. Nothing, you know, nothing personal, nothing uh, where you'd think, wait on a minute, what, what do you want to know that for? And yeah, well, we saw, him, asked, we saw him at senior Well, we I, him at I was senior just reds. coming on to that, Dave. I, I didn't see him at senior reds because right. I, I was... But he, I was, was, like, he was like that. You know, he, he said, oh, I can't talk about that. It was very, oh, I can't say. He was very very the, the one that i think got to a lot of people was when they said well is the is is the club up for sale well that's not something that gets discussed with me you're the ceo of the football club man yeah. you're not some bloke that you know it works on the turnstiles or is it as administrator or something like that you're you are the main man down there obviously well you've the main man of the football club not bristol sport Some yes. difference yeah, there is. And, and you've got a guy called Martin Griffiths, who's the key man when it comes to things like the building. Um, and he does the, I mean, this uh, sporting arena and the sporting quarter and all that kind of stuff. That would be Martin Griffiths does that. And that would be nothing to, as opposed to Mark Kelly, who runs Ashton, runs the football club, you know, all the conferencing facilities, pop concerts, all that kind of thing. So it is a little bit of a, of a, conglomerate i would say and some people can work in an environment like that i always found it much 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 easier to work for what i called a family business and a business it was owned because if i wanted anything i went straight to the owner and if he yeah. said yes no one argued but but in effect uh, in bristol city is a family business but to, look, I, I i i'm sorry yeah. to push on um the, the latest thing on the sporting quarter is that the local waste company of Put in an objection um i haven't read the detail on it but what i did hear which was reported that they want a million pounds contribution from the club or bristol sport to put a roof on their uh, plant and then the resident objections won't come when the houses get built mark let's move on just to wrap up um <clears throat> saturday here we are nigel pearson is loved up at uh, up at, um, I was going to call it Filbert Street for a minute, up at the King Power or the Walker Stadium, as it was. And we're coming up against a team that, let's not get away from it, seven years ago, they were the champions of uh, England, yeah, or champion, Premier League, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a free hit for us this weekend, Mark, isn't it? 
Yeah, I never like I never like that term because it you know implies that we've got absolutely no chance and we should you know just throw caution to the wind and, and see if we get lucky. I mean, I think uh, I mean Hull City won there the other week uh, in their fifth game, but Leicester had plenty of chances to score. They're going to get plenty of chances. I think we got to be a bit play a little bit tighter. Uh, and obviously be a bit more patient. But the good thing is we're not we're, we're not going to... Uh, Leicester will have a majority of the possession. They'll go for it and they, we, will get, we will get chances. When we do get them, we're going to have to take them. Uh, and a draw will be a very good result. And a draw will show us that we're, the, we're making progress. So uh, if we get a draw, I'll be happy. If we get a, a win, I'll be absolutely ecstatic. And you'll probably be able to hear me from there. Would you make any changes, uh, Mark? You know, I mean, because you, you can't really make changes. I mean, our away form has been fantastic. You can't really make changes without altering the formation because you know, do you bring in do you bring well, in Dickie, you can. for instance? Yeah? You can. You, you, all you do is you, 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 the only change you could you could make is maybe Tanner for 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 Hickman, but I think he'll go with the, he'll go with the same start in eleven, and he's happy with that. He's happy with Naismith at the at the back. Um, but um, yeah, don't don't leave uh, don't li play a high line and leave leave Naismith as a last man because Leicester will will kill us uh, if we if we do that. That we're going to be we are a little bit susceptible to pace down down uh, down the uh, the full in, in the fullbacks. So we're going to have to uh, have to watch that. So we may have to just be you know a little bit more patient. But I want us to see us improve uh, some of our passing because it can be a little bit loose. Sometimes we will go for those long passes when perhaps shorter ones will do, but we're not going to get the time on the ball that we got, you know, that we, we get in some games. So we're going to have to be very good. Mm. No, I agree with you. If we get a point, that would be a tremendous result and kept, keeps an element of uh, momentum going. And obviously we are in fifth at the moment, but there's another half dozen or five games tonight that, you know, if we're there, uh, by close of play today, probably unlikely. But uh, Ian, you know, coming up against the champions of uh, England from it was it seven years ago now, 2016, I think Leicester won it. Nigel Pearson going back to his hunting ground. I think he'll uh, make it on crutches. I said it was a free hit. Maybe that's a bit disparaging when you look at our away form. What are, what are your thoughts? Looking forward to Saturday. I, I think you go up there. Um, we may have more of the ball than we think. Uh, because in, La in Leicester's <clears throat> last win, they beat Southampton 4 1. Um, they had less of the ball. They had 18 shots, half of them were on target, scored four goals. Um, they've got a good side. I mean, they've still got, they've, they've lost some really good players. But when you, when you look at a midfield of um, Ndidi, Dewsbury Hall, um, and Harry Winks, ex-Tottenham, you know, that's good players. Um, you've got Vestergaard at the back. Um, I like the fullback, Justin. Their fullbacks get forward really well. You've still got Vardy up front, who even at the age he is now is a class act. Um, so, yeah, go up. But, but I, I think we, sh we should go there full of confidence. Our away form is good. Um, you know, what have we played? Played three, one, one two, drew one. So, I mean, you can't knock that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, we, we go there. We're, we're better. We know we're better on the break. Our pace could trouble them because people like Vestergaard aren't quick. They're quick enough. You can't play in the Premier League for the time you did without having some pace. But let, let's go and try and trouble them. I think the one change I don't think will happen, but you might see, you might see Cornick come in for Wells. Because um, as I said, but they're both having a bad time in, in front of goal. Let's be honest. Do, do, you think he might, do you think he might put Vyman on the bench if he's fit? Yeah, um, and they've made him a new orthotic. And as an orthotic wearer myself, they do make a difference. But basically, what he's got is um, it's, it's like a, a padding around this injured area on the bottom of his foot. It's one of those funny injuries that I mean, it's, it's difficult, you know, because. You can't do anything. You can't walk, can you? So um, let, let's see. I mean, they've made this. If he trains and he trains properly and with this orthotic in and with the question, you'd have Andy Weinman on the bench all day long, wouldn't you? Because he's yeah. one of the players that we've got at the club that can score goals. And 
when your centre forwards aren't scoring lots of goals, they've got to come from all over the well, side. You could, you're not going to win many split, games of football. You could, but you could. I said you're not going to start him, but you know people have always said Andy Vyman's best position is in that central place. Yeah, yeah. And some some people have been well, speculating he, about having you know Knight and Vyman in that buzzy around ball, but you imagine Vyman yeah, in the central yeah, but, role with Knight behind him, the pair of them together. It would be yeah, but, a yeah, but it's a bit it, that would be ultra attacking. You're talking about basically playing two number tens. Your clubs do do it. Yeah, but, but if you're leaving be... out, if you're leaving out, right? You're not based on. I think. I mean, look. I think Naki's overall contribution, his fitness, and everything like that. You know, I think he's, you know, he's like that striker that it just won't happen for him. But he's not in the positions either. But you could leave Naki Wells out. Yeah, <clears> and as you say, maybe start Cornick and. Play a Vyman for the last half hour. Now, Leicester might do to us what we did to Plymouth and the games out of sight. But I don't think you weaken the side by having Knight and Vyman in with that, um, what was it, Busy Bees style of play to use. Lee yeah, so I think, you, I think, we'll, we'll, so we'll, you can't leave. Mark, Mark, go on, I think go on. We'll be, it's, it's going to, I mean, we're playing 4 2 3 1 at the moment with, with, with Wells Central. I think it's more likely to be 4 5 1. Uh, I mean, normally Cornick's first touch isn't 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 brilliant, and I think Vyman's a better finisher. I'd have him on the bench, but if you're going to bring him on, I'd certainly play him as a central striker because I think he's wasted playing in the, you know wide in the free. Uh, Knight does play behind anyway centrally, doesn't he? Uh, uh, because we got the in, that double pivot in James in James and Williams, and they're going to have to be especially good uh, and really you know hold that defensive line uh, on Saturday. So I think it's going to be more more of a four five one. Could you uh, not do a four three one two and bring Taylor Hickman in midfield, right? So you I, have I don't I don't think I don't think he'll do that. What we got? No, watch he's not. Is, he's uh, not. He doesn't like changes, does he? I really? think we we got to we got to watch. Uh, you know, t- uh, Sykes um has got to uh has got to you know track those uh and uh track those runs uh better you know when he gets forward he hasn't got to leave too much space behind yeah. for tanner to cover and vice versa on the other side that's the problem we'll have make sure you're not you know you, you're not leaving the full backs exposed because they'll kill oh. they'll kill us they will they will right time to go Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Neil, who had to uh, uh, dis- disappear. Uh, Ian and Mark, our Leicester review recording will be done live on uh, YouTube and Twitter at 10 o'clock on uh, Sunday morning. Um, I know Ian's going to be joining us. Mark, are you going to be able to join us at 10 yeah, o'clock? Yeah, I'll be there. And uh, anybody else, uh, yeah, probably room for one more, I would think, but uh, whether that's Neil probably would be. But uh, look, everybody... Thank you for listening, and we look forward to uh, talking to you all again at the weekend. Thanks a lot. All the best, everybody. Bye-bye. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Good luck. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bow, bow, bowing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Richard Robbins are bubba-bubbing along When Richard Robbins come bubba-bubbing along Along There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead, get up Get up, get out of bed, cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red, live, love, laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue, now I'm walking through fields of flowers, rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours, I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song, when the red, red robin starts bobbing along. 
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.